Welcome, everyone. This is the first episode of Never Have I Ever Hosted a Podcast. I'm Danny, And I'm Clara. And today we will be discussing and doing a deep dive on the pilot of Netflix's Never Have I Ever, created by Mindy Kaling and Lang Fisher. We just came off four years of hosting our other podcast, Physical Kids Weekly, and that was all about sci-fi's The Magicians, which came to an end earlier this year. If this is the first podcast that you've listened to from us, welcome and thank you for tuning in. If you carried over from Physical Kids Weekly, welcome back. Yeah, so excited for all the new people and to have some old people back. Thank you. So I'm going to put a disclaimer here. There will probably be times that we reference things that have happened outside of the current episode that we are discussing. There will be spoilers. So if for some reason you had the restraint to not binge it in one day, you should (laughs) probably wait to listen to this podcast. (laughs) Good warning. Good warning. (laughs) So, Clara, what did you think of the pilot episode? Damn! (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I really liked it. This is such a fun episode and it sets up the show so well. Um, I just think that you get a really good sense for Debbie and what she's about, for the sort of issues. I love the weird John McEnroe conceit. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. What about you? I I loved it. I mean, like, the thing is, you know, like, the pilot's supposed to be the hook. The pilot is supposed to get you to watch the show. But, like, honestly, there rarely is a good pilot. So that's hmm, the funny thing yeah. about it. <laughs> Um, but I think it was really good. Like it really sets up, um, like the important relationships in her life and kind of like a snapshot of where things are going to go. Yeah. I kind of wonder if the pilot being higher quality has something to do with it being a Netflix show where they sort of released all at once, as opposed to like traditional TV where you like got a green light for a pilot and then you got more episodes bought and, or greenlit like later on. Um, it just, it's written more cohesively from the beginning that's true i i don't think netflix has ever like done a pilot season i think they just straight to order everything yeah pretty much so first of all let's discuss davy as a protagonist how do we feel about her and what do you think about her opening monologue okay so this is this is really dorky but i have remembered my entire life, my 12th grade English teacher telling us that the protagonist in a story is the person who has the greatest responsibility to change. And I always really loved that as a definition. And Davy really, really fits that definition. She is extremely lovably flawed. I watch in part because I'm frustrated with all the choices that she's making and how often she's her own worst enemy. And because I really want to see her get her shit together and be happy. Like you know that she has that capacity and you know that the reason that she's like fucking things up with her friends is also it's like all of her trauma and all those other things. So like in real life, watching your friends make the same stupid mistakes over and over again is the worst. Like it's awful. But in fiction, it's so fun because you can be pretty sure that the characters will sort their shit out like eventually. As far as the monologue's concerned, I mean, it's so it's such a great introduction to her because it just tells us everything about like how desperately she wants to be liked, how also desperate she is to just like put the last year behind her by trying to do the most opposite things from that year as possible. Um, It's very much what I feel like a loud teenager having lived through trauma would be like in that situation. Yeah, I... (laughs) 
I mean, her stupid mistakes is probably obviously what makes the show so funny and relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, there were many, many times where I wanted to just shake her, like, <laughs> what the fuck, girl? But <laughs> I love Davy. She annoys me at times um, in later episodes, but we can talk about that when we get to it. But she's 15. I mean, yep. Quentin Coldwater is one of my favorite characters of all time, and he was a whiny-ass 17-year-old in the first uh, Magician's book. It's about the journey that the characters take you on. Yeah, yeah. And I think she really has a journey that's worth telling. And I know that the show is semi-autobiographical for Mindy and her co-creator, Lang. Obviously, it's got to be decently different because it is set in the current day. But I think Davy is great, though. And Maitreyi, who plays her, is just so talented. Her comedic timing blows me away, and she won this mm-hmm. role from an open casting call of over 15,000 people. It's the first thing that she's ever done professionally, so I love that she's just, like, really unknown. Yeah, I think it's really great, and she, I, like, agree with you 100%. Matrey's hilarious. Davy's journey is super multifaceted, and I think that's why so many people relate to it. Like, you can be from... She's got so many different pieces she needs to put together, from her dad's death, her love life, to, like, accepting the cultures that she's grown up with and understanding how they are, like, part of who she is. And I think all of those pieces come together. It's like there's something for everyone to relate to and chew on and, like, get really excited by in this show Mm -hmm. and in her. Yeah, And I really want to talk about how much I really admire Davy before we move on. She's so bold and courageous in a way that I am just like not normally used to. And it it reminds me of just like once I'm comfortable, I'm like an open book. But like before that, it takes a lot. And I just Mm. feel like she is just so extroverted in a way that like I really like admire. Um, She just like walks the fuck up to Paxton in her sweats with like no makeup on (laughs) and asks him to have sex with her like I could never ever ever imagine that like even as an adult I don't think I would I would do that so this is exactly why uh when I was doing their astrology charts which I'm sure we'll discuss at some point I was like there's no way Mm. that she's an earth sign she just like has to be a fire sign with that boldness (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, she's way, she's way too, earth signs are all like measured and planny and like you and I both know this because we're both earth signs. Uh, (laughs) But it's so nice when you like see the, I don't know, I feel like everyone needs a fire sign in their life to like kick them out of their routine and make them a little less crazy. Okay, so high school was a long time ago for both of us now. (laughs) (laughs) understand So, how different is the experience being portrayed here compared to your own high school experience I mean high school was really really weird time for me and I think it is for like a lot of people but um I moved from LA to Virginia before freshman year and then I moved back from Virginia this time to Santa Barbara for like the next three years so it was definitely weird for me I relate to the way that Davy is using high school as a way to reinvent herself because I think, especially with those two moves, like that was a big thing for me. Like I didn't know anybody. I was super unpopular and like, I don't know, horrible, no friends, whatever, um, in middle school. And then I moved across the country right before ninth grade and I didn't know anybody. And so like that gave me an opportunity to just 
be somebody who didn't have all that baggage. And I think like all the stuff about exploring relationships and your sexuality is very real, though I definitely took things way slower than Davy wants to, at least. And while I didn't have any like enemies to lovers things going on in high school, there was a guy in my elementary and middle school who we definitely had like a little bit of that vibe in a very innocent way until until he's such a jerk. So a teacher like pointed it out when we were in uh, like on the schoolyard is that what they're called quad? i'm old quad? Um, <laughs> it's a quad yeah something like that it, um we were on the quad and was like oh you guys would be really cute and this guy and i'm not gonna say his name because i'm not a jerk call him uh, out like loudly <laughs> <laughs> loudly afterwards said you know i'd never date you just i think mainly for the like 20 other people there um so you know fuck him thank god i moved do what you about think you? he meant it though <laughs> or do you think he was just being that guy, you know? <laughs> I think he was really into his image because he still is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like a floater in high school. Um, like, mm -hmm. my freshman year, I was just, like, just quiet as hell. Like, I just, like, didn't talk to anyone, didn't care. And I actually had um, a teacher that was my math teacher before, and he hated me. Oh, yeah. He hated me so much in middle school because I just, like, I was such... A class clown in middle school because I got put into these like remedial classes <laughs> that I never should have been put into. Um, it's like a whole thing because basically they lost my transcript and they're like, here, you can just be in these benchmark classes. I have one of those stories oh. too. Okay, for and another it, time, but it, keep going. It <laughs> fucked me up though, like for the rest of my grade school education because of it. But I was so bored all the fucking time that I, I just acted out. Like I just was like, fuck it. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm smarter than everyone in my class anyways. Um, <laughs> but I got in trouble like all the time. I remember I got in school suspension for like a week because I was like, whatever to him. <laughs> and when I had him, though, in high school, I was so quiet and I didn't talk to anyone. And he actually like literally confronted me. And he was like, because I could tell he did not want me in his class. And he confronted me. And he's just like, you know, like, is something wrong? Because you're just not the same person. And it was, like, only, like, two years later. So I think that's the thing. So I just, like, I went through a lot in high school. And I floated around, like, yeah. um, I had my first real boyfriend in, in sophomore year. Um, so I kind of became, like, mm -hmm. more known to people because of that. And then in junior years, obviously, when I, I dropped out. So I was really depressed then. And it sucked. But let's not talk about that right now. Um, yeah. Well... <laughs> It's one of the things that I found really funny in, like, r relation to the show, or the way that I really identified, um, honestly, in a lot of ways, I think I most identify with Ben. Same. So let's not talk <laughs> about that too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was super driven, and the one way in which I think I identify a little bit more with Davey is that, like, academically... If you told me that I couldn't do something, it's like putting a red flag in front of a bull, right? Like, I would just know. So in when I moved back to California in 10th grade, I had done academic decathlon the previous year in Charlottesville, in Virginia, where I lived. And they told me, like, you're never going to be able to set up an academic decathlon team here because debate and model UN are, like, too entrenched. And I was like, no, watch me. 
we have like a phone list. And so I went to like all of the teachers who taught the like uh, AP classes and the honors classes. And I was like, what you need to have like A, B and C students in academic decathlon. And so I just asked them, like, who are your best students with these basic grades? And they gave me a list and I called everyone. And that year we actually that year, I think we just prepped. But the next year we went to States. So <laughs> that's my debut moment. Sorry. I I relate to Ben a lot, but I definitely kind of gave up on trying in high school. So at the same time, like mm. Paxton reminds me a lot of myself um, because oh, yeah. he just doesn't care about school. Yeah, but he is really but smart. But he's really so. smart. Um, but high school was pretty different for me in general because like, honestly, our popular kids were, were not jocks, but mm. they were all in AP classes and did sports. Like they didn't have that stereotypical jock mentality they like were Mm, both mm -hmm. at the same time and it was such a shock to me because like you grow up with all these stereotypes and expecting something and um because of like films and like tv and it just wasn't like that for me and if you've ever seen 21 jump street with uh channing tatum and jonah hill that's way more similar to my high school experience just because like the social justice warriors were the popular kids that's just (laughs) i don't know like it's such a weird thing but I also thought her wishes for the year were, like, so tame. Like, I thought it was oh <laughs> really cute. And, and she gets to do most of them, except she does end up drinking at a party and kind of dating a nerd from her AP class. Or kissing, at least. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure you can call one makeout session dating just yet. But uh, we, we will get our eyes on Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about how amazingly diverse this show is and it never really feels like it's shoving it down your throat the way that some things do Mm -hmm. like some things i love is like the amount of like mixed race that appears um because of someone as a mixed race like i identified with that the fact the fact that like paxton is like half japanese and it was added in because darren is also half japanese i thought was really awesome um and fabiola is mixed it looks like trent might be too and The show just, like, really likes to poke fun at itself. Like, Trent is completely unaware of the fact that Paxton is half Japanese. And I really, I just really felt that because, like, I've just always been told, like, are you sure you're Mexican? Like, my whole life. Um, (laughs) What, like, you're gonna, you're gonna lie about that? You're gonna be wrong about that? Like, what do they mean, are you sure? (laughs) I did grow up in a, in a town that was majority Mexican, so I don't know if they thought maybe I was lying to be, to fit in. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Which also, it also leads me, though, to the fact that I love that one of her main love interests is of Asian descent. Like, there's so many stigmas against Asian men um, being, like, in a lead role or being considered attractive or a love Mm. interest. And I've actually seen criticisms lately that many made the show too diverse. What are some of your thoughts about the diversity on this show? Well, I think you heard it with my snort, but like, what the hell does that mean? Too diverse. I'm just, I wrote eye roll down here in all caps. Cause like, that's, that's all I have for it. Eye roll, but you can't see that on a podcast. Um, I personally love how diverse it is. I think it's a reflection of what the world is actually like. Preparing for this episode, I actually like looked up the demographics at the two schools that I was in for high school. And the school I went to for most of high school was 58% minority enrollment with 35% of students being from economically disadvantaged backgrounds. And the other high school I went to was really similar. 54% minority enrollment and 48% economically disadvantaged. Both schools were in wealthy college towns, too. So it's not like it was the town that I was in or what 
whatever else, right? Like, this is just the way that the world looks if you actually pay attention to it. And so I think most people who are making that kind of argument, like saying it's too diverse, um, they severely underestimate how diverse the world actually is because they're so mired in their own perspective. But for me, it's a big part of what made that first season feel so realistic, especially um, what you mentioned about the bicultural and biracial characters. And because I think it does merit mentioning, Paxton is not the only hunky Asian guy in the show. There is also Davy's dad, who may be dead, but like he's very much present on screen. I mean, there's so many. There's even um, Kamala's boyfriend later on, Steve. Oh, yeah. He's also uh-huh. clearly Asian. And the guy that um, she gets set up with. Yeah, Prashant. And there's like a lot of just background characters, um, some that have mm-hmm. a couple roles, like some of Paxton's friends, like, I don't think he has a single white friend, which is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually spent this entire episode thinking her dad wasn't actually dead at first. Um, Davy's dad, yeah. Yeah, it's such a, like, a Pixar's up moment, honestly, like, killing him off like that. Like, it's just like (laughs) a fucking gut punch, like, right away. Like, her relationship with Mohan and how close she is with her father just, like, reminded me of my grandpa and when I lost Mm. him, so... It kind of constantly made me consistently sad throughout the show. I mean, of course it makes you sad. I, I think that's kind of the point. And it does create conflict right away because you know it's going to be a big part of what the show is about. It's kind of funny. Like, Lanier had that... Lanier was watching it with me yesterday and he said, wait, they kill off her dad in the first episode? And I'm like, no, this is like this is the background of her life and setting up like what's going to go on. So maybe people see it differently, but for me it felt like it was really setting up where it's going to go and like what it's actually going to be about on a deep level and not just the sort of surface of her high school interactions. I don't know. It's just so emotional, though. Like at the, It's just like at the forefront of it. It's kind of like you don't even get a minute to like... Yeah. To process it like I mean she hasn't even processed it so I think like you know like that goes to the art of it yeah another thing though is that I've seen some people have an issue with the fact that Darren who plays Paxton seems to be the only young cast member over the age of 25 everyone else is under 21 like main cast wise and like the high schoolers yeah yeah like they're closer to high school age um personally I think it makes sense for him to be played by an older guy just because like, guys as hot as Paxton, they just don't get that hot until they're older. They really don't. No, you can't have him have high school neck. Yeah. It's like <laughs> this unattainable attractiveness, and he's supposed to be just, like, that guy, trademark. Like, <laughs> of course, when you are in high school, you think the guy or the girl is is that hot. But they really are not when you look back. Um, So I just think it's funny that he's played by someone around my age. Um, And it also calls into the question the whole like Riverdale like thing that they I don't don't think it's in the pilot, but it like happens like a couple episodes afterwards where they're like, yeah, like no one's played by anyone that's that age, which Glee (laughs) is probably by far the worst show that ever did that, though. Those cast members were already like almost all like 30 plus uh, when they filmed that show. But what do you think about all of that, like, ages? I mean, it's definitely true that the vast majority of shows set in high school have, like, people in their 30s <laughs> playing <laughs> them or, like, late 20s. Yeah. Um, I actually think it's really cool that there are so many really young actors in this show. I agree with you about Paxson being played by somebody who's older. I think it would be, I, I don't know, I agree with you. Like, high school guys are not that hunky. Like, high school neck is a real thing. <laughs> 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 I don't know. It's like their next gain, like, 
two inches in diameter over the course of high school. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. And they're still pretty close in age. I mean, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, like, 29 isn't that old compared to, it's like, wait, about 10 years older than, than my tray. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people had problems, though, because she was 17 at the time of filming. But the age of consent where she lives is 17 or 16 so i don't think like it's like as long as there's consent and as long as she's okay kissing the dude i have no problems yeah and it's like professional you know like they have someone on set literally like watching them 24 7 and her mom was on set so it's like how weird could it be yeah (laughs) so i'm really curious about how davy always just like had this has she always had this explosive anger or if it is just her not opening up to and accepting her grief. I feel like we see her go through some of the stages of grief throughout the first episode. Um, What do you think about her having a therapist and her emotional issues? I mean, I love it. Like, I love that we see her in therapy from the get-go. I think trauma pretty, like, a lot of the time, trauma is treated as character background and you don't ever really explore it. It's there to, like, explain away a specific trait But in Davy's case, she'll have these moments and then she has to confront them and the way that they are tied to her trauma in the way that most of us who have the, you know, have enough money to go to therapy do, which is with a therapist. Um, So I really like it. And it feels to me like a pretty realistic portrayal of what therapy is like, obviously with a lot of humor built in and like compressed time period. But I think it does a good job of normalizing the experience as for whether or not she's a hothead by nature or whether it's it's part of her therapy. I'd guess it's probably a mix, um, or not part of her therapy, part of her like trauma recovery. So I think it's probably part of a mix. I do think a lot of it is going to be triggered by her trauma, but I also, I mean, I think we see how much difficulty she has with her mom and how much difficulty she has with the sort of cultural expectations that are put on her more so later than in this episode. And John McEnroe also describes her and him together as we hotheads. So I feel like he's trying to tell us that there's like, like it's it part is, of her. It is it's part that of fire her. sign. Yeah, she's <laughs> definitely a fire sign. Uh, yeah, like I really love how they're kind of open about mental health in the show, just kind of like right at the forefront. Um, and I hope that it's something that continues. And hmm. I, I think I would even, not that I wish someone getting a diagnosis on them. Like, I kind of hope that she gets some kind of diagnosis at some point. Mm-hmm. Like she does have some, I would say like bipolar tendencies, um, probably a little more so on like the, the mild side. I can't remember what that is called right now, but there is cyclothymia. A, yeah. That one. <laughs> yeah, that is it. <laughs> Um, but she kind of has some of those traits. She has some pretty high highs. Um, we haven't seen very many low lows from her, but I do think like that yeah. she's capable of it. Um, of course, the show is mostly a comedy, so I don't know how far they would go into that. But like, I think that there's really good ways to blend that, and I've seen other shows do it. Well, I also think, I don't know that, I think she'll have a diagnosis. I don't think it's necessarily going to be any form of bipolar because I think you might see those same traits as like a combination of personality plus PTSD, which she very clearly has. Like (laughs) she, she has some post-traumatic something Mm -hmm. anyway. 
so I think we'll see. I think we'll see something, um, whether or not it's done explicitly or it's just sort of like continued to be hinted at as a different story. But I am grateful to sort of see it unfold and see how her work with her therapist continues. And maybe, maybe Dr. Ryan can eventually get through to her. I, I hope so. Um, I love Dr. Ryan. I hilarious. Um, you see mm-hmm. Nash is so talented. Um, uh, some of the advice that Dr. Ryan gave Davy, though, is something I feel like girls her age really need to hear and, and take to heart. Doesn't mean they will, but it was nice to hear uh, nonetheless. What was the specific advice that, that you felt like resonated? I really liked when she was like, I mean, do you really think that you would make a good girlfriend right now? It's not going to like make you happy. Mm. Or change who you are, having just any boyfriend, no matter who he is. I I oh, loved yeah. when she had that heart to heart with her um, when she kind of like came in. And obviously, she took it completely the wrong way because she well, of course. then goes to Baxton <laughs> and asks him to have sex with her. So <laughs> yeah, but I, I but no, I think that's good advice. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, like that's kind of the stuff that like I feel like you know you wish you had known when you were that young. But obviously, even if you had heard it, you <laughs> probably wouldn't listen if you're a teenager uh <laughs> listening's hard when you're 15 we need to talk about ben gross yeah we i do. mean first of all i fucking love ben gross and i can't <laughs> tell if it's just because i see myself in him or if i totally would have dated him in high school either ah! <laughs> either way uh <laughs> lauren who creates art under not cool co called me the fuck out she called me the fuck out and I asked her <laughs> I asked her to guess which character I like because I wanted her to draw Ben and like I got impatient because uh, she was taking a while to respond and I, I just was like it's Ben and then when she responded she was like that was my guess he is the most Todd like with a winky face <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's not wrong i mean he is the most todd like out of the characters in the show um but for those of you who did not listen to our previous podcast about the magicians he was like my favorite side character that has ever existed and i mean he's just great so before i talk more about ben clara what do you think about ben and how do you feel about their rivalry well, before I get to Ben, I have to say, I actually think Trent might be the most Todd-like character, but... Uh, but we'll... no, 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 because Todd is actually... <laughs> I mean, sorry, I, like, I love Trent, but he's a total himbo. He is not smart. Todd is very much smart. He's just a fucking stoner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, at least they have that in common. Um <laughs> Okay, so you asked me about Ben and about the rivalry between yeah. Ben and Davey. And that rivalry is so real. So I, I was talking earlier about the the guy who, um, in elementary and middle school, who, like, then was like, I would never date you or whatever. And it was very much, like, both academic rival and crush situation. I think I ended up having a crush on him basically because we spent so much time together and competed so heavily. That competition, like, it's a shared experience, but it's also a form of passion and it's really easy to mistake the passion you have for, like, winning um, for, like, <laughs> some kind of sexual or romantic chemistry. I'm going to say romantic chemistry for, like, my nine-year-old self. <laughs> um, I think it also, part of the reason it's so easy to mistake that is because 
it also does kind of like indicate that you share some values, right? Like both Ben and Davey are very driven. They're very intelligent and they put a lot of focus on education as like a big part of their identity. So of course they're going to get a little spark. Yeah. I mean, like it was kind of one of those things. I mean, like I was just like, yeah, this is, this is going to be a thing. Um, <laughs> but I immediately fell in love with Ben, uh, mostly just because the actor, Jaron Lucen, who plays him, just like so perfectly. His facial <laughs> expressions are some of the best I think I've seen in TV comedy. Like it really just like makes the character um, and he's funny. And like there's this like genuineness behind the dickheadery that I just like. Yeah. Uh-huh. I also knew immediately that he liked Davey and that I would probably ship them. Literally, like, the second he is introduced, he's, like, mean-mugging Jonah because Davy is flirting with him. Like, I don't think he admits it to himself that he likes her until much later. No. But it's definitely there. Uh, but do you have anything else to add about Ben before we move on? I feel like I could talk about Ben for a long time. Because, yeah. <laughs> again, like, I, I very heavily identify with him, much to my, like, cringy shame. Um, <laughs> but he's, like, he is, he's the Hermione of the bunch. He is smart, showy, a know-it-all, no social skills. <laughs> he's, like, if you mixed Hermione and Draco into one character, because he's such a dick. <laughs> but he's so fucking smart. <laughs> he's, like, the, ch the love child of some bad fic. <laughs> But the Jermaine sticks, they're so good. I like, I've always been a fan of the enemies to lovers trope, and Mindy Kaling's a huge fan of it. It's pretty much in everything she's yeah, ever yeah. written. But I, I mean, like, I have no shame. I ship Draco and Hermione pretty fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, and of course, you ship Ben and Davy pretty hard, too. I do. Um, but I do think that, like, it's important to note that Ben is a different kind of smart than Davy and Fabiola, because mm -hmm. both of them are smart, but they demonstrate it in really different ways. Like, for Davy, it, it almost is incidental. Like, I, it, she's competitive with Ben, but she doesn't really seem to care about, like, showing off how smart she is otherwise. Mm -hmm. And with Fabiola, like, she's much more introverted than... <laughs> Ben or Davy, and mm -hmm. uh, much more. I don't. In some ways, I think of her. I mean, she is doing robotics, but I think of her more as engineer smart than uh, the sort of hardcore competitive driven Dude. smart. I've met a lot huh? of engineers who are just not common sense smart, but they're so fucking smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say it, but it's not wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I really like Ben. I identify with him. And I always like having a Jewish character on a show that reminds me a little bit of myself as yes. a Jewish woman. I don't think we've really talked about Paxton. So how do you feel about Paxton Hall Yoshida? Okay, so I like him. I want to see him grow. He is not right for Davy, both because he kind of treats her like shit, but also because she, she doesn't really, like, see him for who he is. I don't think either of them sees the other person for who they are. So even after Davy starts to get to know him and find out the things that they have in common and it, like, stops being just about sex and about, like, you're hot in a pool and, you know, caused me to walk again because you're so hot, um, I still think she has a fantasy vision of him in her head and that's just not a healthy basis for a relationship so i love paxton i want to know more about him as a human i want him to get nice and fleshed out uh, that sounded dirty i didn't mean it that way but he is not for davy what about you i i mean i have to say i agree i 
I mean, in in a, in some form, I ship them both um, <laughs> because I do realize that just Paxton and and Davier, they're inevitable. They're gonna date. They're gonna they're gonna be romantically involved at some point. You gotta in, love triangle. It's gotta gotta try all the angles. Yeah, and I <laughs> I don't think that I've been like this serious about a love triangle since probably the Hunger Games. Although, like, I will shame anybody that ships Galen Katniss, but. (laughs) (laughs) Kale. I feel similarly, like, when people try to, like, knock Ben for, like, who he is and, like, the Bevy relationship in general or Ben V, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Because I know a lot of people say, oh, he's so mean to her. And it's like, that's, that's their vibe. That's their dynamic. Like, any time that either of them crosses a line, they immediately feel bad and they apologize. I mean, it's just their thing. But we're talking about Paxson. So one thing I really like about Paxson is how they talk about him. Like the narrator says that he's repeating yeah. the class because he has an extreme apathy towards school rather than like ever calling him stupid. Like because he's so clearly not stupid. And I'm glad that the show never tries to be like, oh, like all the jocks are stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, Though I would say they don't exactly make Trent seem smart, but. We can save that for later when we've seen a little more of him. Don't think he's supposed to be smart. But I mean, like, (laughs) you know, there's always one in every school. What if he turns out to be secretly brilliant? That would be amazing. And I would be totally there for it. It would be even more Todd-like, though. And, you know, (laughs) your case would go further. Um, But yeah, like you said, I want to see more. I want to see more about Paxton. I want to know who he is. I would love to have an episode from his point of view. But like, I want to have an episode from, like, everyone's point of view eventually. Um, I was a huge fan of Skins UK, which was also a teen drama that was played by teenagers. And I really loved the format of every single episode kind of encapsulated one person. And then the finale Mm. of whatever season they were in would be about everyone. I think that's a really cool thing. It would be kind of weird for them to adopt that. So maybe, like, one episode or two episodes a season could be given to someone else. There's just so many funny things you can get into, like, oh, who would narrate for so-and-so? And Mindy Kaling has a lot of very funny friends, so I think it could easily be good. Yeah. But I think we should briefly mention the other characters here. Fabiola and Eleanor are her best friends. They definitely come mm-hmm. more into play as you find out more about them in later episodes, but they are really fun companions. Fabiola is this, like, nerdy lesbian that hasn't come out yet that I just adore. Who doesn't <laughs> like that? And... And Eleanor is just like the dramatic theater kid. Like every school has one. So dramatic. <laughs> um, I know I've known a few. I've been friends with a few of them. There's always that drama kid. I think my favorite side character though so far, because Trent hasn't even been introduced yet really, is Mr. Shapiro. Mr. Most... Shapiro! <laughs> like, how do you feel about the other characters in the story? I love them and I just love like I love that it's such a rich tapestry of people. <laughs> um so uh you were talking just a minute ago about how like it would be nice to see some episodes from like other people's perspectives. I cannot wait for an Eleanor episode. It's going to be so insane. <laughs> like all these like fake scenes, like dramatic reenactments. I- I kind of want her to have a different narrator than John McEnroe, like a narrator that is good, like unique to Eleanor. Who would you have narrate her? 
I think Aquafina would be hilarious. Oh, yes. <laughs> that would be so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Aquafina would be fucking hilarious. I would also like to see a Mr. <laughs> Shapiro kind of like have his own episode because like it would be so funny to see what the teacher thinks about all oh of this. Oh my people. god. Well, and it would, <laughs> I mean, in some ways I feel like it would take the magic away because like seeing him from the kid's perspective as this like try hard dork um, <laughs> but it could be fun it could be fun I wish I had a teacher that cool I never had a teacher that cool I feel like I had I feel like I had teachers who were genuinely cool not like try hard cool I had one my English my 12th grade English teacher see I loved her and my oh my chemistry teacher for both 10th grade and AP chemistry Mrs. Fry she was amazing. She set things on fire with us every year. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely had that uh, teachers that I like. I felt really close to and kind of viewed them as like a mentor. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Shapiro is just so comical. And, oh my god! I mean, he what reminded me more of like a substitute teacher because substitute teachers usually have that vibe. Oh yeah, that's true. I feel like yeah, substitute teachers have that vibe more because the teachers who've been there forever know it doesn't work after one try. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm surprised he doesn't get more shit from them. He mostly just gets like these like awkward looks. But we yeah. should probably move on and talk about her family. Um, yes. So we have only really talked about Mohan so far, and only a little bit. But her mom seems to be like the hard ass parent and her dad isn't which feels really against the stereotypes of the indian culture Hmm. mohan is like the sensitive caring loving supportive dad and he's honestly like the dream dad and her mom is just like a hard ass and she's so funny like she delivers the sass like right back to davy every time she's been through a lot too she is unable to have another child besides davy that was pointed out at some point in the pilot episode, I think, or it might have been the next episode. I think episode. it's a little later. Yeah. It might have been the next episode. But yeah, she is now just raising her daughter alone. And then there's Mala, who is introduced as like the prettiest woman in the world, basically. And of course, for that, Davy does not like her. But she's more than her beauty, though. And she's funny and kind and incredibly smart. So what do you think about her family and their dynamics? I really like her family. And again, I think like some of the function of of that sort of two-dimensionality that we see, especially in the early episodes, is because it's from Davy's perspective, right? Like Davy does not appreciate her mom or Kamala or anyone except for her dad, really. So of course, like we see her dad. I mean, he is sensitive in the memories and assuming that there's not just hers, but like also her mother's memories. So I think we can assume that that is some of his actual character but I think like she really strongly Davy really strongly bonded to Mohan to her father and so she sees him in this sort of fantasy light and her mom is I mean I think there's like a couple things at play there one I think her mom is a bit more of a hard ass by nature she also is as you mentioned a single parent after Mohan dies and she is trying to parent through her own trauma but on top of that I mean one thing that I kind of wanted to mention is that you hear this a lot where like when one parent dies and the other parent doesn't there's almost this like it's it's like the inverse of survivor's guilt right like you get mad at the surviving parent for being alive when the other one isn't and so I think a lot of Davy's understanding of her mom and a lot of her relationship dynamics with her mom are filtered through 
you're the one who survived and I'm mad about that because <laughs> I want my father to have also survived. Yeah. And there's a lot of trauma there. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. they don't really talk about it until much, much later in the season. So we'll yeah. probably save that for when that happens. But yeah, there's a lot of trauma in that family. Yeah. But all right, we have to move on. Of course, we have to carry over <laughs> fashion, which is Clara's favorite topic. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of it in the show, too. Paxton dresses really well. He's definitely, mm -hmm. like, high school hot. Fabiola's wardrobe is a constant joke because she's always wearing these, like, unflattering clothes. Like, I would, I would say she has, like, anti-fashion. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think she looks fine, and it's definitely... It's just not fashionable. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I would never wear anything Eleanor wears, like, ever. I think I would definitely be more like a Davy, and I've definitely had my moments where I tried to look hot like she did. Although, if I ever wore anything remotely like that when I was in high school, I would have been sent home. Is there, like... Is <laughs> well, <laughs> she definitely gets called out by Principal Grubbs. That's true. Is there any fashion that stands out to you in the pilot? Well, there's some fashion that stands out very badly, which is Ben. Oh, you yeah. were saying that the show is set in the present day, but somebody tell that to Ben's wardrobe. <laughs> it's, uh, no, I mean, his is present. Um, I mean, I have like I have a whole bunch to say about Ben. So do you have anything, anything else to point out? Yeah, so I have some other things to point out. So uh, Mr. Shapiro's outfit was my favorite because it's it's so, like, hipster academic. <laughs> also, I, I need to point out... Pseudo-intellectual. Pseudo-intellectual, exactly. Like, you know that he considered putting elbow patches on his suit, and then he decided, oh, no, that's trying just a little too hard. But I do have to point out that he is wearing a scarf in what must be August or September because it's the first day of school in the fucking valley <laughs> he's gotta be boiling so he is committed to that look also i kind of think that he looks like a sim a sim <laughs> yes doesn't that like seem like one of the like sim character <laughs> yes i feel like that's one of the like stock sims outfits that came with sims 4 yeah, 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 probably <laughs> like you mentioned ben already as much as i love ben and obviously i think we've made it clear we love ben <laughs> Someone needs to call the fashion police on this boy, like, as soon as possible. <laughs> Some of his outfits in the show are just fucking awful. Like, oh they're God. very over the top, which I think is mostly him flexing his wealth because high school fashion is not particularly attractive to your average person. Not high school fashion, high fashion. But it's like wealth <laughs> without taste, right? Oh, yeah. Like, let me just find the most expensive thing and put it on, and it could be a trash bag. I feel like he just <laughs> wore something that he saw on, like, a fucking runway and was like, yeah, I could pull that off. No. <laughs> the high fashion was not made for him. The first outfit that he ever wears in the show, it is, like, truly heinous. Like, it is one of the ugliest fucking <laughs> outfits I've ever seen in my life. It has checkerboards on the bottom back half of his pants. Just the bottom back half. <laughs> and he's wearing a striped shirt under checkers. I'm just like, no. What? What is... Oh. Who let you, uh, like, leave the house like that? Oh, wait. He doesn't... His parents don't love him that much. I'm just kidding. They love him. They're just <laughs> not there for him. They're neglectful. <laughs> <laughs> Poor sweet summer child. <laughs> His fashion gets a lot better as the show goes on, but the first episode, like, there's some in the episode that are okay, like, decent, but it's just that first one that introduces him that I'm just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pick the ugliest things out at the van store. Yep. So, 
I wanted to start a new segment since this show is mostly comedic and point out what the most hilarious one-liners in the episode are. Excellent. <laughs> I have a notebook full. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I, I loved sociopaths get shit done. <laughs> Lanier turned to me and was like, do you need that on a t-shirt? <laughs> I was like, maybe a pin. <laughs> a motivational poster. <laughs> um, I also love when Jonah's like, it's forever by Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> delivery is very good on that it really is not necessarily a one-liner but when mr shapiro awkwardly says slavery and the holocaust and then looks at fabiola and ben it just fucking killed me like their facial expressions back at him it was just like bro wait can i cut in there for a second because yeah. one of my favorite ones was right before that you had mentioned well you'll tell me about you'll tell us about this in a second but like you had mentioned to me that there's a mean girls reference and as soon as you said that when i went back and rewatched it he says this is not going to be your typical history class and i could not get out of my head amy poehler and mean girls saying i'm not like a regular mom i'm a cool mom <laughs> This isn't going to be a regular history class. It's going to be a cool history class. And they all are just like, no. <laughs> Obviously, the next line would be when Davy says, damn, when Paxson sits down. <laughs> I'm like really, really upset because I did not realize this until I saw a Tumblr post, but it pays homage to Mean Girls when Aaron Samuels sits down in front of Katie and she, I think she says like, he's so cute or something like that. Um, that was just... It was funny. And then, of course, Mr. Shapiro was like, damn right. <laughs> she's talking about the class. Oh, he's such a dork. I love him. <laughs> and then we have to point out the iconic comeback. Yes. Shut up. My dad's hot. <laughs> oh, the looks on everyone's faces. They're just like, do you have a therapist? Just like <laughs> straight delivery of that line. Like it fucking killed me. Okay. So I, I have a few more. Um, when Fabiola says the janitor said I reminded him of his nephew, his favorite nephew. <laughs> I just cracked up. Why is she talking um, to the janitor? <laughs> oh, my God. And then Eleanor in the hall in that same scene. Get a load of the sexy flapper girl. My grandmother died in this dress. <laughs> um, Principal Grubbs, what are you laughing at, Aaron Brockovich? And uh, Davy's mom, I do not like high-fiving, it's violent. Oh, wait, and I almost forgot Ghost Mohan saying, do you think that John McEnroe would let that umpire tell him he's not beautiful? Mohan visions, like, Ghost Mohan visions are, are so funny. Like, Yeah, they're so great. Oh, man. <laughs> the John Ma McEnroe thing got me at first. I was just like, this is really weird. <laughs> um, I was totally used to it by like the second episode, but I was like, oh, what yeah, the yeah. fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it actually, you know what it kind of reminds me of, the, or just the narration in general. Um, you and I also just finished watching a show we both love, Jane the Virgin. And it definitely, like, the way that they use narration had a similar vibe to me. Because it's, I mean, it's a way a lot of narration is used, but I feel like it's very, like, uh, breaking the fourth wall, let me take you through this story, there is a clear narrative, and then it breaks periodically kind of stuff. Oh, man. We can't... I was just seeing, like, parallels between relationships from Jane the Virgin and this show, and... I mean, that's something we should probably get into eventually, but I just I just have to say for the record that I'm still Team Michael, and 
I thought it was <laughs> bullshit that they brought him back in the last season and then he didn't even like what? What they just shouldn't have. They just shouldn't have. It was fucked up. Um Of course your team, Michael. But Michael reminds me also a whole lot of Ben and I think like I think that's why that relationship really I really like that. Michael that, like soulmate. Michael is too sweet, like surface sweet. He's kind of an asshole, though. Well, that's later, though. He's deep asshole surface sweet, whereas Ben is surface asshole deep sweet. True. <laughs> True. Alrighty. It's time for MVP. I told myself I was going to think about this, and then I didn't, so I'm going to have to, like, pull this out on the fly. I think, let's see, looking back at my notes, my, like, one-liner notes, let's see, who did I laugh at the most oh there's one that i forgot to mention and it's eleanor so i have two eleanor quotes so i'm gonna give it to eleanor he's not molesting me he's caressing me was also an eleanor line yeah so ramona young actress's name ramona young she gets your mvp Alrighty. so mine is definitely split between uh maitreyi and jaren those two are gonna get so far in their careers uh their comedic timing is is just on point um, they're both so funny, and they 100% sold their characters right away. They were so good at reacting to each other as well. Mm. Like, one of my favorite parts in the pilot episode is when they're kind of going over their, like, rivalry, and Ben shows Davy his grade that is better than hers. <laughs> she freaks out and breaks a beaker on the floor, and his <laughs> face in reaction is just fucking priceless. And it's just like, it's those little things about both of their performances that I just love. And then another thing that that reminded me of is like that that scene where um, they catch Eleanor and Oliver yeah. making out. And then she's just like, I'm cool. I'm cool as ice. And she walks outside and she just screams like, and they like are all still inside. And they just like look at the door and just like. Well, I am not surprised that you would choose them. And also, right, like, it's the pilot episode where they're some of the two main characters. So, of course, they're going to get featured. But just to make a little bit of more, a little bit more of a case for my gal Ramona. Um, so she is also in Santa Clarita Diet. And she plays such a different character in that. Her character is, like, complete flat affect. Closer to um, undramatic Eleanor from, like, later in the season. Okay, yeah. Um, but the fact that she can kind of do both of those things and make them both funny i think she's gonna go far too she's very talented i mean this whole cast is really talented for young talent it's just i mean i I, we are just living in this age where young talent is just so good i mean like even if you watch like Mm -hmm. stranger things it's like fuck dude these kids can act yeah (laughs) they can really act (laughs) yeah i mean the netflix generation they're gonna go far Mm -hmm. so we're not even gonna try a ratings like a number ratings here. We Thank learned God. our lesson from five seasons of failing at it with the magicians. So we're going to go to our format from our last season. So what worked for you in the pilot and what did? I'm turning that back on you to start since I had to start with the MVP. So kick us off. Um, <laughs> there really wasn't much that didn't stick the landing for me in the first episode. Like I mentioned earlier, I thought it was a weird choice uh, for John McEnroe to be the narrator for Davy, but by the end of the episode, I really didn't notice that much, and like there was obviously like a good reason for it, and they eventually go over that. I think the pilot was really good, and it and it hooked me immediately. And like I I was saying earlier that like 
pilots kind of suck sometimes. Hmm. So it hooked me right away, though. I literally watched the show in one sitting. I don't even think I went to the bathroom. Like, I took no <laughs> breaks. Everything was just so good, and it was so full of one-liners, and it was just different. And I've never really watched a comedy that had this much heart and soul mm. in a long time. And it made me laugh and, like, cry and then laugh again. It's probably one of the only things that has made me feel kind of, like, better in this chaotic world that we're living in right now. It's definitely a silver lining. And the music was fire as well. <laughs> I know you're going to mention the music. Yeah, I I agree. I think it was a really solid pilot. Good blend of comedy and drama. The writing is super tight um, in the show as a whole, but in the pilot, definitely for sure. Um, I love that I could tell right away that it was going to deal with real issues and not just be a run-of-the-mill sitcom. The John McEnroe thing was also it was really funny to me. I remember the first time I watched this, my husband came in sort of in the middle and I guess he recognized John McEnroe's voice without no without like the name or like seeing him on TV and he just is like why is John McEnroe narrating this show and I was like they explain it <laughs> but the biggest thing I love is just you know Davy she's so compelling that girl takes up space in the best possible way and I love her and I want to see her get to a point where she can be happy this is this is just me perpetually like my otp for just about any show with a complicated flawed narrator is that narrator plus happiness my tree is on the same page as you she says in pretty much any interview that she is team davy and i definitely <laughs> agree with that but like yeah yeah i mean i'm perfectly happy for her to get a little love on with ben and also with paxton on the way there yes or, you know, they could all just date each other. Mm. 100% down with that. Mm-hmm. It could just be one big orgy. I don't think I can say that about high schoolers. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no. Or, you know, just, uh, like, you know, Paxton and Ben could just move on with each other. They could fight over the same girl and just be like, you know what? Let's date instead. <laughs> <laughs> Always down. I have started the Bexton revolution online. Um... <laughs> Anyways, I think with that, I think we've come to the end of our show. Listeners, thank you for joining us. If you like this episode, you can subscribe online, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. And you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at N-H-I-E underscore podcast. Bye. bye. Girl, bye. Girl, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Never Have I Ever Hosted a Podcast is produced and hosted by Danny Lowry with co-host Clara Shirley Appel. Saxon Ahern is our sound engineer and Lanier Salmons wrote our theme. Mind slut. Who let you uh, like leave the house like that? Oh wait, he doesn't his parents don't love him.